Uh, I want to give just a big picture overview. So uh, 40,000 foot view of IMB, uh, to the extent with which that would be helpful. It's been so encouraging meeting different ones of you who are in process, some of you in 2 plus 2 program, others of you just at different levels of exploring the potential of uh, going overseas through the IMB. And uh, so just want to give you a big picture of what all God's doing and then particularly shed some light on uh, the last six months and the process we've been walking through uh, that's generated uh, some news and questions and that sort of thing. And so just uh, hopefully bring some clarity along those lines and then, yeah, be wide open to uh, anything Dr. Aiken would ask that would, he thinks would be helpful to serve uh, you all. But then also if we have some time uh, just to serve across the board, uh, any questions you guys might have. But big picture, one sentence that sums up uh, who we are, what we're doing as International Mission Board is we want to, I want to lead the IMB in such a way that we are partnering with churches to empower limitless missionary teams who are making disciples and multiplying churches among unreached peoples and places for the glory of God. So every word there is important. So we want to partner with churches. I see the local church as the front line of the Great Commission. It's the local church that God has promised to bless for the spread of the gospel to the nations. So you look in the pages of the New Testament, you won't see the International Mission Board anywhere. You won't see mission organizations anywhere, but you will see local churches. You'll see the church at Antioch, worshiping and fasting and praying, and the Spirit saying, set apart for me Saul and Barnabas for the work to which I've called them. And it's the church at Antioch that lays hands on them and sends them out. Uh, so it's the, and, and then Paul goes and on missionary journey, and he comes back to the church at Antioch, and he goes out a second time from the church at Antioch. And then uh, on his third missionary journey, he doesn't come back to Antioch because he wants to get the gospel of those who've never heard it in Spain. And so, it's, so he writes a letter to the church at Rome. So it's the local church, Church of Antioch, Church of Rome, and then Paul's connecting different churches. It's local churches that are working together. And so I think if we're not careful, we have a tendency, particularly in a denominational organization, to uh, look at missions uh, from the top down instead of the bottom up. What I mean by that is we can almost think, okay, well, the IMB exists to do mission, and local churches exist to Send money and send people, and then IMB will take care of mission. I don't, I don't think that's biblical, and I don't think it's wise. Uh, I, I look out at the Southern Baptist Convention, 40,000-plus churches. Like, I want to see 40,000 Antiochs worshiping and fasting and praying, and I'm convinced when that's happening, the Spirit's going to set apart people from churches of all sizes. So this is not just big church. I, I was talking with a church recently, a pastor who— um, they're, uh, they don't have a building yet. They've got about uh, 30, 40 people meeting, and they already got one, church, one, one uh, couple that they're going to be sending out as missionary to unreached peoples, that they've adopted this particular unreached people group. And I praise God for a pastor who prioritizes reaching an unreached people group more than having a building. And so it doesn't, uh, the Spirit of God working in a small group of people is, I believe, going to raise up people to go and take the gospel to those who've never heard it. And so, uh, so, the, the reality is, though, small churches, large churches for that matter, I mean, no one church can do this alone, and that's where the IMB comes in to help facilitate what God is doing in this church, this church, this church, to bring 170 years of experience, a wealth of research, a global network that we have. I mean, one of the... Uh, 
most encouraging times of my last year has been uh, times where I think of one time in particular in Germany where we gathered together uh, leaders of mission movements in different countries that we're helping to fuel. So whether it's in uh, one of the largest uh, house church networks in China was represented there, and then we've got people from all of the Americas and uh, Eastern Europe and Africa. Um, so brothers and sisters from all kinds of different places who are saying, how can we work together for the spread of the gospel of the nations? And so this is... And, and so no one church has all that kind of, so IMB brings that to the table to say, now, as different churches, people are being raised up, sent out, we want to help train, uh, not basic disciple-making training. My hope is that's happening in the local church, and we want to strengthen local churches toward that end. But then when it comes to cross-culturally, how to make disciples among unreached peoples, we bring expertise to bear on that and then facilitate the work of these churches together. And then IMB has the joy of bringing the resources of 40,000 churches together for the spread of the gospel to people who've never heard it. So partnering with churches to empower limitless missionary teams. So uh, missionary teams, we, uh, this is something we are uh, uh, making a, a pretty big emphasis on uh, right now and in the days to come to make sure, hey, if we're not careful, we can have a tendency to think, okay, well, there's 6,000 plus unreached people groups. Well, let's just get a missionary in every one of those people groups. Um, but then that can, if we're not careful, lead to isolation. And so one missionary here, one missionary here, one missionary there, when I think we see in the New Testament a clear pattern on team, uh, whether it's Jesus sending his disciples out two by two, whether it's Paul and Barnabas going, Paul always traveling with a team of, of different folks. Uh, so we want to emphasize team, people going out in community together. So missionary teams, but the, the key word before that is limitless missionary teams. So uh, some of you uh, realize that uh, and have heard that we've had to walk through a process in light of some financial realities that we have faced in reducing the total number of IMB personnel, both staff here uh, in the United States and missionaries overseas. Um, for years, just a quick summary, uh, for years uh, IMB has been operating well over our budget, spending much more than we've received. Um, so uh, last year we spent uh, $39 million more than we received. So over six years, about $210 million more than we received. So uh, by God's grace, we haven't gone into any debt whatsoever because we've had reserves and global property sales that have been able to cover that. But uh, you, you only have so many properties you can sell and reserves you can pull from. And so we uh, made a, a, a pretty a clear move uh, back in August of last year where we walked through, uh, initiated a two-phase process because we realized some of our financial, uh, some our, we were running financial models. Some of them were saying we need, probably need to reduce by eight or 900, but at least 600. So we said we really need to walk through a process in order to get to where we are, are operating within our means, within our budget. We are going to have to reduce the total number of our personnel by about 600 people and by at least 600 people. And so uh, that two-phase process, uh, what, basically what I did is I said to all, uh, everybody who's IMB personnel, so we had about 4,800 people overseas at that point and about 450 people who were uh, stateside on staff. And so about 5,250 people, I said, let's all put a blank check on the table with our lives in a fresh way. I mean, that's how 
most, if not all of them, all of us got to where we are in the first place is saying, Lord, I'll do whatever you want me to do. And so in light of these realities, let's put the blank check on the table and just say, Lord, are you leading me to make a transition during this time? And uh, if he is, then we want to provide an opportunity for you to do that. And so that opportunity has come about in, in two ways. One, through a volunteer retirement incentive. That's the most natural uh, mechanism for an organization, for those who would potentially be considering retirement anyway to uh, to go ahead and, and make that decision. And so for those who led, who, anybody who sensed the Lord saying stay, we were saying stay. Uh, but if the, if the Lord's leading you to make a transition, then we want to honor you. We want to be as generous as we can and just honoring the, the years of service you have served through the IMB and years of service in the days to come, you'll do that in the kingdom in all kinds of different ways. So uh, many of our personnel started turning around VRI, which is Voluntary Retirement Incentive. They turned it into Voluntary Redeployment Initiative. And so that's, and they are, they're being redeployed all over uh, the United States. Soon thereafter, after we announced this, one of our state convention executives came to me in Texas, Jim Richards, and he said uh, in Houston, which is now the largest multi-ethnic city uh, in uh, the country, he said, we're creating uh, at least 20 different church planning positions among multi-ethnic peoples in Houston. We want your people from IMB to fill those positions. And so it's redeployment for the spread of the gods. God's brought, we just talked about it in Acts 17, God's brought people's peoples of the world here, and there are scores of brothers and sisters who have expertise in reaching peoples of the world that he's also bringing here, and he's, he's orchestrating it all for his glory. So that voluntary retirement incentive took us through last year, and then just a couple of weeks ago, we announced our the second phase of that uh, was it's a hand-raising opportunity. So it's basically a voluntary retirement incentive available to those who are retirement eligible, but for everyone else who's not retirement eligible uh, can kind of raise their hand, so to speak, and say, I think the Lord's leading me to make a transition. And if that's the case, uh, if you're putting the blank, on the blank check on the table, you sense the Lord's leading you to make a transition, then we want to be generous and, and help you in that transition during this time. And so that'll all be complete at the end of February. And at that point, we'll announce uh, kind of where where we landed after that whole process. But we shared with our trustees back in November um, because we had to put together a budget that we are projecting that by the end of this, we will meet our need uh, to reduce the total number of personnel by at least uh, 600 people, which is, I mean, is good news and heartbreaking news at the exact same time. So it's good because, Lord willing, by the end of this year, uh, we will, uh, after we've uh, walk through all this, these two processes, the voluntary retirement and hand-raising opportunity. By the end of 2016, going into 2017, we will have a balanced budget for the first time in years. So we praise God for that and being in a financial place where we can then set, get our house in order so we can set the stage for uh, what lies ahead. Um, it's obviously heartbreaking news because, well, there's, there's Ivy's family and there's brothers and sisters who have uh, made transition during this time that uh, it's just not easy walking through. But the reason I, I well, I share all that hopefully in a way that's that's helpful and giving you a little picture uh, behind the scenes, but also to emphasize limitless. So we we will always have a limit on the number of people that we are able to send and support full time through the IMB. We'll always have a limit. So even if uh, cooperative program and Lottie Moon Christmas offering were to double over the next year, which would be great, and we would take it. So, uh, but we'd still have a limit. We still have a limited ability to send people through the IMB. And this has been a struggle with IMB, and some of you experienced this um, because 
because we have a limited, right now we have a limited number of slots that we have that we're able to send and support people full-time in that way. And so people will come. More churches are wanting to send, and people are coming, so we want to go. And IMB is saying, oh, we don't have slots. And I shared with our trustees, like, I, I just can't pray, Matthew 9, 37-38, ask the Lord of the harvest to send out more laborers into his harvest field. And IMB, when the Lord answers that prayer, say, well, not through us. And so we've got to figure out a way to take the limit off. Now, again, that's not just through raising more money. Yes, if we raise more money, again, we double, we'll take it, and we'll use it. But there's, there's other ways that God is providing for the spread of the gospel through his church to the nations. When you look at the opportunities for professionals to work overseas and to work intentionally there for the spread of the gospel. I saw this in the, my own church that I pastored. We had, uh, let me think about one couple. He's an engineer. She's a teacher. And they came to me and they said, hey, we realized that we can do teaching and engineering in this part of the world where there's no gospel access. So we think we're going to move over there and do teaching and engineering there. I don't know if this counts as being a missionary, he said, but, but we want to go do that. I said, I don't care what it counts as. You guys are going. Like, this is a no-brainer. So there are opportunities for, and there are opportunities like that all over the place. I, I've shared a story, one of my favorites, just I was sitting on a plane. Uh, and a guy starts uh, talking to me, and uh, and he's from uh, he recognized me from some Bible study videos. His name's Hugh, and he's uh, he's traveling. And I said, "Where are you from, Hugh?" He's from Demopolis, Alabama. Now, is anybody from Demopolis, Alabama? Okay, well. I didn't figure so. Like, Demopolis is no metropolis, I can tell you that, okay? So this is a small town, sweet home Alabama, and uh, uh, Hugh, I say, Hugh, where are you traveling? He says, I'm traveling to Mexico. I said, why are you traveling to Mexico? He says, I've got a lumber business, and uh, uh, we're expanding into Mexico. I said, are you expanding anywhere, anywhere else in the world? He says, yes, we're in China, and we're in Indonesia, and we're looking to get in the Middle East right now. I said, Hugh, have you ever thought about how God's ordained your business to prosper, not just for the spread of lumber, but for the opening of doors for the spread of the gospel in these places? Hugh said, I've never even thought about that. And we began talking about it. I and mean, this is one brother from Demopolis, Alabama. So there are brothers and sisters like that all over the church. It's just an untapped mission force waiting to be awakened for us to open our eyes and see maybe God has designed the globalization of today's marketplace for the spread of his glory to the nations the opportunities that are there for people to work overseas, then you begin to realize the nations will actually fund the spread of the gospel to the nations. The nations will fund it. The nations will fund it. I, I was just uh, 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 talking with somebody a few weeks ago, a story of uh, a nurse in uh, the heart of the Middle East. I, I won't mention what, what country, but uh, you'd be surprised if I did the exact country that this is happening in. But she, she's, she went over there, got a nursing job, and she's done so well. She's just been elevated in that hospital. One of the uh, leading hospitals in this country has been elevated. Now she's head of nursing, and she has a Bible study every week in her office in the middle of this Muslim country with Muslims, and nobody's stopping her because she's so good at what she does. So whenever I speak to college students, I'm just saying, be so good at what you do. Like, don't leave your degree behind. Leverage your degree to open doors for the spread of the gospel of the nations. And for us to begin to think like that in the church, so not to the, I want to be clear, not to the exclusion of the full-time, fully supported 
lead church planter missionary. And we see precedent all over Scripture for, for Pauline fully supported, Pauline partially, and, and self-supported at, uh, at, at different points as a tent maker. And then we see other cast of characters who are involved in missions. So let's begin to think that way across the SBC. I mean, I, I think about the Moravians in mission history. Uh, it was said one out of 92 of them were crossing cultures for the spread of the gospel. One out of 92. If that were happening among Southern Baptists today, I mean... They say we have 15.5 million people. And I know how pastors are with numbers. Let's just percent, pretend like, I don't know. Let's just keep it real. Let's just pretend 10, people, 10 million of those people are actually alive, okay? And, uh, uh, and, and it'll make the math easier. easier. I mean, instead of four or 5,000 missionaries, if, if we were doing what Moravians were doing, we'd have over 100,000 missionaries we're talking about right now. We've not even thought in those kind of terms, and I'm convinced we've got to think in those kinds of terms. And the Bravians weren't doing that because they had a sophisticated, well-financed mission board. It's because they were leveraging the opportunities God had given them to work, to cross cultures for the spread of the gospel. Some of them would sell themselves into, into slavery. They'd see a slave ship going to this country, say, I'm gonna, that's the way to get to that country, be a slave. So they sell themselves into slavery in order to get the gospel to that country. So may God raise up that kind of spirit, that kind of awakening. I want to be a part of a Moravian-type mission movement among churches, and not just Southern Baptists, but beyond, that is sending multitudes more men and women who are so limitless. And and that's just professionals, students, the opportunities for students to study overseas. There are universities overseas that will pay American students full scholarships to come and study in English in the middle of unreached peoples. The nations will pay for students to get the gospel to the nations. And retirees, Uncle Sam's paycheck, will go toward life in South Florida, and it could go toward life in South Africa for the spread of the gospel. So uh, we, we, uh, we have a, a pilot project right now in Kuala Lumpur, Malaysia, and Kuala Lumpur has a whole uh, initiative in their city to get people to retire there from, uh, from places all over the West. They want people to come, I mean, it's just come live it up in KL. And I'm thinking, yes, just go live it up for the spread of the gospel in KL. They want you to, the nations are asking you to come. So come. I mean, KL is one of the most, uh, Malaysians are some of the most unreached people in the entire world. So the opportunities are there if we'll take them, if we'll, if we'll, not leave behind the way we've done things in the past, but build on the way that we've done things in the past and open our eyes to the opportunities that are there for our limitless missionary teams to make disciples and multiply churches so our task remains the same. That's part of the beauty of leading the IMB. You really don't have to be innovative. Uh, you just do what's been done for 2,000 years, and this is how the gospel will go to the nations. So we make disciples, and as we make disciples, the church will multiply. And so we want to do that wisely. We want to do that. We want to be biblically faithful, theologically responsible in how we go about that task, uh, making disciples and multiplying churches among unreached peoples and places. So we've got a pretty laser focus on, a very laser focus on getting the gospel to those who've never heard it. Uh, Now, the the challenges uh, that we think through is how to best do that, because how to best do that is not necessarily going uh, directly to every unreached people group. Because there are other people groups, other peoples in the world that God is involving in this mission as well. And so when I see the church in China uh, and the opportunities that God's opening up for the church in China to go all kinds of different places, then I want to come alongside the church in China and for us to serve them. That's part of that conference we were hosting in March. And, and similarly, I mean, Cuba, uh, what God has done in Cuba is is awesome. It's breathtaking. I mean, church has just grown like wildfire in many ways in Cuba. And they were at this conference, and this Cuban brother saying, hey, we'll go anywhere. And you don't have to 
provide us any support. Like, we know how to eat rocks. Uh, it's like, I believe the brother. Like, he's just, he said, we're going. And they, there are doors for Cubans to get into countries that are not quite the same as doors for Americans to get into countries. And God's doing that. God's doing that if we'll wisely play our part. So I want to lead us to play our part alongside other brothers and sisters playing their part among unreached peoples and places for the glory of our God. So that's big picture, IMB. Part of the, uh, pro- the whole process we've been walking through this last six months is basically getting ourselves to a healthy financial place in the present so we, would wa- we can walk together into a future that, that is in- partnering with churches to empower limitless missionary teams who are making disciples and multiplying churches among the unreached for the glory of our God. I am uh, living for the day. Well, I'll put it this way. I'm not living for the survival of the IMB. I'm living for the day when the IMB is needed no more, when we're not talking about unreached peoples anymore. Instead, we're talking about the return of our king. And so uh, that's, that's the end, end goal. So may God uh, be gracious to us, bless us, cause his face to shine upon us toward that end, that his ways may be known among the earth and his saving power known among every nation, that all the peoples, including Syrians, might be glad in him. So... Dr. Aiken. First of all, David, thank you for putting all this together and just giving us a chance to hear your heart and your passion. And uh, I think I can say on behalf of all of the folks here, uh, we're in your corner pulling for you 110% and thankful for the vision that you're casting. Let me start, first of all, I think this would be on the heart of pastors. What is it that we can do uh, as pastors and as churchmen and churchwomen to bless you right now? What are the things we can do? Give us three or four or five things that we can do that will help you uh, fulfill the vision you believe God's placed in your heart. Well, I would start with doubling cooperative program and, and Lottie Moon Christmas offering. So that would be great. How does the Lottie Moon Christmas <laughs> offering look this year? Uh, that's it's kind of a, there's we don't have an answer to that question. We actually don't know Lottie Moon numbers until right before the convention. So uh, we'll share those at convention, but it's not because we're sitting on it. We just, the way it all comes in, we don't find out till then. But I've been really encouraged just anecdotally and, and conversations with the pastors. I'm hopeful that we'll, uh, um, yeah, I'm hopeful we'll have a really, really good uh, Lottie Moon year. And just, just uh, so that's definitely one way. Uh, so just, uh, it's not where I would have started, but <laughs> since we're there, um, I mean, giving to cooperative program and Lottie Moon Christmas. I mean, this is, it's huge. When I, when I talk with other mission leaders from mission organizations, uh, they'd give their right arm and more to be able, I mean, between those two offerings through what comes in cooperative program and Lottie Moon Christmas offering, that's about $250 million a year that's dedicated to getting the gospel to those who've never heard it. That's, that's nothing short of breathtaking. And, uh, and so I am deeply thankful for this whole SBC ecosystem that works together toward that end and how it's, uh, how it's a part. I'm so glad IMB is not in this picture alone. I'm so glad that we're alongside a North American mission board and uh, Southern Baptist seminaries who are buttressing and raising up and training up leaders and missionaries and pastors and church planners and, uh, and then a 
whole network of associations and state conventions. It's just really breathtaking, the whole picture. And so to give accordingly, to encourage people to give generously, sacrificially toward that end, I mean, uh, that's definitely one way. Certainly uh, praying uh, for, uh, oh, there's so many things to pray for. Well, one, I would just encourage any, everybody in this room, not just IMB, to make sure that praying for the peoples of the world is a part of your regular practice in your life. Um, so, I mean, there are, there's an IMB app. There's a Joshua Project app. I mean, you can pull up those apps and just have unreached people group just to pray for every day. Just to, and then in your life, in your family, and family worship, and then in church, that is your church being regularly exposed to the need of unreached peoples around the world? Uh, that'll go a long way uh, in getting it on their minds and hearts. And then they'll start to say, well, what are we doing about that? Okay, then you're in a whole other conversation. Uh, so praying like that, giving intentionally, sacrificially. And then I would, I would encourage you, so a, a pastor and maybe we'll talk about this more tonight at the panel on missions and preaching, but I would just go ahead and put it out there. Show God's passion for his glory in all nations from cover to cover in scripture. So it's not just a mission sermon once a year. Just show God's passion for his glory in all nations. But then I would encourage periodically, have an Acts 13 kind of moment where you worship and fast and pray as a church one Sunday, one week, whatever it might be. Spend concentrated time in prayer and fasting and just ask, is the Spirit setting apart anybody from our church to go? And just ask and see what he does. Fast, seek his face, ask, are you setting apart anybody? Ask, call the church to pray like that and just see what he does. And I'm confident that if we're doing that, the Lord's going to raise up more. And then uh, I would encourage pastors to think through, okay, don't just have one, uh, one idea of what a missionary looks like in your mind. So it's just the guy who leaves his job and uh, goes to seminary and trains and goes through IMB training and then moves with full support overseas. So yes, that, yes, that, for sure that. But then also, not just the guys who leave their job, but the people who can leverage their jobs to go overseas and help them to see that. And the reality is the more pastors are leading people to make disciples through their workplaces and in their neighborhoods here, the more that'll then make sense over there. Uh, if we're not doing it here, we're foolish to think that we're going to do that over there. I mean, there's no, you don't, you don't become a missionary on the plane overseas. There's no transformation by aviation. It's not the way it works, right? You've, you've, we've got to be doing it here, and then it makes sense to do it there. And so the more we're faithfully making disciples in churches here in ways that aren't dependent on programs and professionals to do it, because those programs and professionals won't be overseas. So more people are making disciples right where they live in the context of the workplace, the more it will make sense for them to say, I can do the same thing in Dubai. I can do the same thing in London. I can do the same thing in Mumbai. And then the doors are open. All right, so let's build from that. What do you, at this point in time, envision? And I know we don't know the future, but if God were to give David Platt the desires of his heart, what would the International Mission Board look like five years from now, ten years from now, to actualize what you're describing? I love that question. Uh, so when I dream about, so I picture those missionary teams, uh, Picture, I would say twofold. Uh, one, picture missionary teams in global cities. 
So global cities are places, uh, you know, increasing urbanization in the world. Uh, many people moving to cities, people, groups represented in cities, uh, just like we see in the New Testament. I mean, remember in Acts 19, verse 10, says all the residents of Asia heard the word of the Lord. Like, I'd love that to be my next report at the SBC. Well, well, we got Asia covered this last year, so uh, now we're going to move on. Uh, I'll come back to you with a report on Africa next year. Like, I mean, what an awesome state. But it wasn't because Paul went everywhere in Asia. It's because he was preaching the gospel faithfully in Ephesus, this trade route where everybody was coming through, and as they got the gospel, they spread the gospel from Ephesus throughout Asia. And so we, I want us, so when I picture days to come, to leverage global cities and the opportunities that are there where professionals can get jobs, students can study, retirees can go and live there uh, in a way that's, that's probably not going to happen in the Amazon jungle or the uh, Saharan desert. And so there are unique things that we can do in cities. So picture five years, ten years from now, missionary teams there that maybe have that stack pole at the middle that's a seminary trained lead church planter and then that stack pole surrounded by professional students, retirees who are working intentionally for the spread of the gospel among peoples and places and then helping equip those peoples to reach other places with the gospel and reaching the nations from cities. Uh, so that kind of picture there, but not to the exclusion. We, I still want to see us go into the Amazon jungle. And I mean, right now we're, we're doing work in, uh, the, in South America. I'll just keep this as much general as possible, but among uncontacted peoples. So not just unreached, but uncontacted. I mean, they, I mean, it's Jim Elliott type stuff and we're, we're doing that kind of work. And so there's not as many jobs for professionals there. There's not universities for students to study in, and most people aren't retiring there, although I think it'd be great if they did. But uh, so that's going to involve more full-time, fully funded people. And so we're going to steep, we call that extreme places. Like we're going to keep going to extreme places. So it's kind of both extremes, extreme places, but then global cities and maximizing the opportunities that are there for, for both. And uh, so what I would like to see, oh, Lord willing, in the days to come is multitudes more men and women than we've ever dreamed filled with the Spirit of God uh, going and getting the gospel to global cities and extreme places in a way that though our work starts to intersect because people are leaving the cities to go this way, people are coming from the cities this way, and our work starts to intersect in this global network we have of uh, partnerships with brothers and sisters around the world. Approximately how many global cities are there right now as y'all designate them? Well, we, so what we're doing right now is we're doing a pilot project in five global cities. Um, so I, I've got a map on my wall of the 101 largest global cities in the world. Um, so anybody know what the largest one would be? Tokyo. Anybody know what number 101 would be? Dubai. There you go. Somebody said Dubai. I didn't think anybody would get that. That's great. Okay. So, uh, so anyway, 101 global cities in the world. Uh, and so we're, we're doing a pilot project in five of those cities. So what I mean by pilot is we're... Uh, trying some things out on a small scale that before we come out with some like big new plan, hey, we're going this and we're not really sure if it'll work, like let's, let's learn some things uh, through going through some processes. So in London, Dubai, Mumbai, Kuala Lumpur, and Shanghai, uh, we've got the picture that I just mentioned, kind of a stackpole city leader who's full-time fully supported 
uh, trained by the IMB. Um, but then we're surrounding that person with, and in some cases there's more than one, uh, but surrounding them with students, professionals, and retirees. Uh, because there's a, there's a lot of questions about whether or not students, professionals, and retirees who don't have time to go deep in language and culture can be a, an effective part of the spread of the gospel among unreached peoples and places. So we want to try some things out and learn some things in our training. I and mean, this is causing our whole training process to have to be reevaluated because right now, if somebody's going overseas to the IMB, they go to eight weeks of training up in Richmond, and, uh, and then we send them out. But if somebody's going to work over there, they're not... They don't have eight weeks off. They're moving over there. If they're going to study, they don't have to. So we're having to diversify, customize our training. But I think that's opening up whole new paradigms for how we think about training, for how we think about sending. Um, that's going to take some time to develop. So I wish I had right now, well, here's the 10 pathways, like jump in one of these. We're just not at that point. We're uh, uh, hopefully we'll be at that point soon. So in that sense, in you kind of are tracking with what seminaries have had to do where when I was in seminary, with some of the other brothers and sisters here, classes were Tuesday through Friday in the morning, a few in the afternoon. Today, Monday only classes, Friday only classes, Friday Saturday classes, morning classes, afternoon classes, night classes, internet. We have seven uh, fully uh, uh, completed degrees online today. Do you see something similar? To that with the IMB? I would say it's a very similar. I mean, it's a whole paradigm shift that how can we make theological education more accessible to more people in very responsible ways? Well, how do we make the gospel more accessible to unreached peoples in responsible ways? How do we diversify and customize our mission force according to what God is doing in the world? I mean, uh, God's doing. I mean, we live in a very digital world, and it's the more I get into all the digital facets of our world, the more uh, overwhelming it is, but it's a good thing to know that God's sovereign over every bit of it, and he's orchestrating all of it. He's giving us tools to get the gospel. People have never heard it. So, Do you see the seminaries perhaps playing a role in this? I think seminaries play a huge role in all of this. Um, so for, from every step, I mean, the more theological, biblical theological training is accessible to churches, pastors, leaders, the more that's bolstering mission force here. And uh, and the more that biblical theological training, which I'm so thankful it's happening here at Southeastern, in a way it, it's, it's done through the lens of the Great Commission and getting the gospel to the nations. So it's not pastoral ministry as an end, but pastoral ministry for the glory of God among the nations and, and missionary training for the glory of God among the nations. Good, strong, biblical theological foundations in that. So it's huge for bolstering, training up the mission force here. But then also, as, as disciples are made and churches are planted overseas and we're doing theological training, that's where I'm so thankful for partnerships. I mean, I know you guys have uh, uh, Brazil, uh, people that are graduating from Southeastern in Brazil. And so that kind of stuff is happening in South America. Well, when I think about the, uh, the church in China, I've mentioned them numerous times. I mean, there are, there are opportunities for us to come along and provide good, helpful, biblical, theological education in the context of missions. So it's training a force that's able to do that. It's then partnering together as churches are planted and those churches begin to grow in health. And there, there's a need for deeper theological training. And as those, begin to send, those churches begin to send out missionaries, which that's the whole goal. And whenever we go into a place, our goal is not just to lead people to Christ. It's to lead people to Christ, see them gathered together in church, pastors to be raised up who are leading those churches well, and then those churches are now joining in the mission with us, sending out missionaries. Well, that whole process, the more that can be bolstered through partnership with theological education here, there, it's just a win-win all the way around, which, again, is one other reason, just 
one other reason why I'm so thankful the IMB is connected to a whole SBC ecosystem and not like going at this alone, like most organizations, mission organizations do. All right, we have about five minutes. So if you have a question from the floor, and I, it has to be a question, uh, if you start dissertating, I'm going to stop you. If you got a quick, because that way we can do it several like that. So one right here, go ahead. Future of long of short-term mission trips from churches going over. I, I'm privileged to pastor a church that has a lot of mission involvement, even with IMB, <clears throat> and so we're constantly trying to raise up people to go on short-term trips, week, two weeks, something like that. The future of that for churches. Uh, it's a great question. I'll try to make it really quick, but I got so much to share there because this is one area where I think we have a lot of room to grow in. I think there's good things that are happening at different points, but I think we have a lot of room to grow. So the way I view short-term missions, that when it's done right, is a fuel for long-term disciple-making, both overseas and here. So, uh, and, and the beauty of IMB is, I know as a pastor, our short-term mission trips, I hope, were effective because we had relationship with the brothers and sisters we were working with on the ground. They had a disciple-making process that we were able to plug into. And that relationship is possible through a network of churches like we have in the SBC, IMB, to help fuel that. So it's, I mean, many short-term mission trips, quite honestly, are hurtful to the work on the ground because they're not connected to long-term disciple-making processes there. And so we want to make sure that's not happening. And so, and short-term missions become a pipeline for long-term missionaries. I mean, it changes people's view on the world, how they live here, how they give here, and then it changes people's perspective on the possibilities that, hey, they, they could do that overseas. They could do this here or there. And so I, I, my hope is in the future that IMB will be an even more valuable partner in helping churches think through how to wisely do short-term missions in ways that fuel long-term disciple-making among unreached peoples. There and for that matter here. Do you see that they, the IMB may possibly provide training for this very thing? We are actually working on training right now right. that we're piloting uh, this year for, uh, for short-term mission training. All right. Very quickly. All right, going once. If nobody's going to ask. Right, and, one more. Well, we'll we'll and, take this last And I'll one. throw something else out there, too, on training. Okay. Uh, because we're uh, piloting another thing we're piloting. Uh, two other things, uh, as you can be on the lookout for in the days to come. But uh, one is like a six-week course for a small group or Sunday school class or whatever to go through that's basically open your eyes to mission God's glory in all nations, the part that God's called all of us to play in it. So just a real basic introductory. So average church member sitting in the pew, not really, I mean, mission area is kind of that special class of people over here that has nothing to do with me. No, it has everything to do with you. You're created for God's glory in all nations. See it in scripture, see it in the world. And just the goal is at the end of that, you're open to, wow, okay, so how does this change the way I need to pray, give, or I might go in the days to come? Then the second that comes from that is for people who sense and church. So maybe the Lord's leading me to go. Uh, we're developing a, a six-month, um, pretty intensive walk alongside uh, in relationship with someone else, so not to be done in isolation, uh, but disciple-making course that walks through the New Testament and helps people think through evangelism and discipleship in cross-cultural settings. So basically, we, we'd like to get to the point where before anyone comes to the IMB, I and mean, we'll have people, quite honestly, who come to the IMB right now and come to our training and still really don't know how to have a quiet time or still and so we've got to that needs to happen in the local churches 
And so we want to help serve local churches and providing a tool that would be helpful in helping people develop spiritual disciplines. How, what does it mean to be a disciple? What does it mean to make disciples? And might the Lord be leading you to do over the, this overseas uh, that would provide fundamental training that would then set the stage for maybe moving overseas? Would it not also be the responsibility of the local churches and seminaries to make sure that they have a good foundation theologically? It's not the IMB's responsibility in six weeks, eight weeks, plus it can't be done to prepare them to be way, able to think well in a Christian worldview kind of a way. Absolutely. I mean, you look at uh, our brothers and sisters who are serving around the world, like it makes a huge difference when they have a local church that's trained up and sent them out. And, uh, that, yeah, there's just no replacement for that. All right, real quickly, last question. All right, you mentioned about how, you know, Americans going overseas and all, but in the triangle where, where we live, it's kind of like Houston. We've got people from over there coming here for training and stuff like that and then going back. Is there any, like, connections or thinking with the North American Mission Board and the IMB of try to be more strategy into these areas where we've got the, the nations here uh, and trying to work together with training and moving people and that sort of thing. Absolutely. That's happening. We are, are warning, and even more in the days to come, to partner together well with NAM. We've got that happening in different cities uh, right now, uh, particularly some of their sin cities, but where we bring our research on people groups to bear on what's going on there. So in L.A. or Houston or some of these different places, uh, how have we seen disciple-making uh, over there in ways that can help fuel disciple making here and then how can we do disciple making here in a way that then has effects over there uh, so we're wanting to partner together even more with NAM on that and I emphasize partner like there, people have asked at different points and they still continue to ask so are IMB and NAM merging together like why and that's that's not like that's not even on I mean, everything's on the table when it comes to how to get the gospel to the nations. I mean, everything. But we're not having any. We're just partnering together. Uh, so uh, Kevin called me the other day. Kevin Ezell leads now. He's like, well, people keep asking me that. And he said, I just told uh, folks, I told a group of folks that we're, it's like we're cuddling up together. I said, Kevin, don't ever say that again. Like, <laughs> so to be clear, just in case you've heard that, like I'm doing zero cuddling with Kevin Ezell. Um, but uh, but uh, but we, we are partnering together. I mean, there's a reason we call it a cooperative program. Like, we cooperate together. And the more we do cooperate, and we're doing SIN conferences. We just announced this week we've got uh, three SIN conferences coming in uh, 2017 uh, that we want to work together on events, but then on work on the ground, how we connect. I mean, that's, we've seen it even in Richmond, where I live now. Uh, we've seen uh, Vietnamese reach for the gospel, and those Vietnamese taking the gospel to their families in Vietnam and saying, I mean, villages have never heard it and are saying, hey, I heard this over here. You've got to hear this. And so those connections we've got to wisely make. And let me say from the outside, I've never seen the International Mission Board and the North American Mission Board cooperate more enthusiastically and more effectively than today. And so in that context, I have great hope and optimism uh, in the days ahead. And both Kevin and you, David, uh, deserve our gratitude and thanksgiving. David has a one o'clock appointment he has to be to, so I'm going to get him out of here, but would you express your thanksgiving for his being with us today? And, and David, let me pray for you before we do dismiss. Father, I thank you so much for David Platt and for you raising him up to lead our International Mission Board. 
I love his heart. I love his vision. I love the fact that he wants to work with Southern Baptists through the local church to reach the nations with the gospel. And Lord, uh, I do believe seminaries and mission organizations can be useful to the work of the kingdom, but it is the local church that you ordained. And so, Father, we recognize there is the uh, base camp. Uh, there is the place where we mobilize and where we inspire and then send out. And I thank you for giving us a leader that sees that as his calling. And I'm excited about what is going to take place in the days ahead. Lord, we want to be faithful and we want to be uh, willing to go where you want us to go and do what you want us to do, believing with all of our hearts that there is no better place in life than to be in the center of God's will. So, Lord, may that be impressed upon each one of us this day, and may we follow where you lead, knowing indeed that there's great glory to our God at the end. And we ask and pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.